What's going on, FN Nation? Welcome back. NASCAR DFS Podcast. I'm Dan Malin. I am joined by Matt Sells, the two-time FSWA NASCAR Writer of the Year. Matt, we're down to three races. How how bittersweet is this as we get closer and closer to Phoenix? It is pretty bittersweet, I have to say. Um, you know, it was only a few weeks ago we were still talking about how, oh, the playoffs have just started and, you know... I mean, just kind of came up out of nowhere. The end. I mean, of the season here. I remember in July, and I apologize. I still haven't gotten my voice back completely. So any uh, prepubescent voice breaks, I apologize for. But I remember in July we were previewing, I think Pocono or something, and I was looking at the schedule. And I'm like, you know, there's only like seven races left in the regular season, and here we are. Like we're in the round of eight. Larson's already locked up a spot in the in the final four, and just three races left with Kansas, Martinsville, and Phoenix. It's like, you know, the season's so long, but it goes so quickly. Yeah, and um going to have a slightly shorter offseason, if that's possible, actually, because the clash, um, which didn't occur to me until uh, earlier this week, they're running the clash at, at Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Right, they're running it in the L.A. Coliseum on a purpose-built quarter-mile track that's just going to be just a madhouse. I could believe that there will be a track smaller than Martinsville. Yeah. Um, it'll just be a madhouse. And they scheduled... How is, how is that going to work, though? Because I apologize for cutting you off, but like when, when we watch Martinsville, we always make a joke about how you know when the race starts and the front row is, is at the start-finish line, the field is only about a half lap behind them or ahead of them depending on how you want to look at it how is that going to work on a quarter mile track uh well how are they going to race it is the clash so it's only going to be about 20 cars so oh, that's that right. will, it's only like 20 cars okay that'll bail them out a little bit um but there's also you know there's a there's a short track in winston salem uh north carolina that's nicknamed the madhouse it does the same thing they literally built the track around a football stadium um bowman gray stadium to be specific and they no longer race cup cars there but they do race the lower divisions so um if you're curious how it's going to work you can go find clips of racing at bowman gray and it's pretty nuts um that being said though they're going to race that february 6th and then you get the super bowl in la february 13th and then you get the daytona 500 february 20th so the uh the off-season in NASCAR is even shorter this year. Um, so, yeah, but let's uh, turn our attention here a little bit to Kansas. Put on a fantastic show earlier this year for the Bushy McBush Race 400 <laughs> in May, which was won by a Bush. Kyle Bush did win that one. Um, and Kansas does typically put on a pretty good show for mile-and-a-half track. Certainly better than Texas uh, last week, which the Jeff Gluck poll continues to produce terrible po- uh, ratings for Texas races. It's always one of the lowest rated races. I always feel like um, people people just vote down on Jeff Gluck's polls out of spite. I think so, especially <laughs> for Texas, because everybody hates Texas. It sucks. It's terrible. It, the track is not good. If you if if you want to give it like just a race fine that's whatever but at the same time like just don't give it a playoff race 
Right. It should, it should have a raise in like June or July. That's fine. But this, we have to get Homestead back on the playoff schedule. Yeah, I mean, we did. We we will have that next year. Homestead will be in the playoff schedule. It won't be the championship race, but it will be um, a key participant in the playoffs. So, you know, we get a similar track layout this week to what we had last week. Certainly going to be the same package. Um, I think it's slightly different tire combination this week than we had last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, Kansas, though, is a far better track for passing. Track position doesn't matter nearly as much at Kansas. Um, we still can have a lapse light dominator. We've seen at Kansas previously, but there are big uh, changes in position differential here. Um, if we all harken back a few years, we had that race where, like, legitimately half the field failed tech inspection. Mm-hmm. So you had, <laughs> like... The top 15 drivers basically failed except for one, and those guys all started, like, 25th, and within, like, I don't know, 35, 40 laps, they were all back up into the top 15. So you can make up position here. Um, Makes for some pretty interesting values this week uh, for sure. But we are still approaching it like a standard mile-and-a-half track. Um, Do you want to just dive into the cup race? I have... <clears throat> admittedly i haven't looked at the xfinity slate too closely i know ty gibbs is on it i'm very intrigued by him starting p10 11,200. all right here we go we're, we're doing an xfinity preview i guess <laughs> um i do like landon castle i don't like the 8100 price tag but i like that he's starting p38 that's typically a top 20 ish car as long as he runs clean uh jordan anderson's okay Dylan Lupton, I'm kind of intrigued with at 7,200. Overall, I actually hate the value on this slate. I'm not going to lie. Bailey Curry, since he moved over to the 15 car for JD Motorsports, uh, he's now capable of regularly pulling off a top 15 finish. Uh, Finished 17th last week at 5,200. DraftKings was unaware of the equipment that he was driving in, and he got 48 points. Now they wisened up a little bit. He's 6,500. Starting P22, I still the price tag is okay. I do wish he was offering a little bit more PD. Um, I haven't looked at too many potential dominators, but my God, if there was ever a week for Daniel Hemrick to finally win a race, it could be at Kansas, where he has run pretty well at. Um, I've pretty much noted in every playbook that I've done that he's run well at mile and a half. And if you look at his last four finishes, fifth, fourth, third and second coming into Kansas, you know, he's trending in the right direction. And at this point, there's only one other spot he could trend to. Um, so Daniel Hemrick will be popular 9,500 on the pole. Um, but I'm still going to be probably mixing in guys like Cendric, probably all who didn't have like the greatest showing last week after I thought he would, you know, get a lot of dominator points. Um, but the playbook for the Xfinity race will be up late Friday evening. And with that, we can talk about, how much exposure we want on Kyle Larson in the cup race on the pole at a, at a modest $11,700. Yeah. I mean, right. I posed that question um, in discord earlier on Thursday, like how high is the ownership going to be on Larson considering the fact that he's on the pole, it's a mile and a half. We just saw him dominate a mile and a half. That's similar. Um, well, I still think that we um, typically when we get to this part of the season and we do the podcast, we usually 
we try to bring up, you know, how motivated is a driver that's already qualified for Phoenix or the championship race? You know, Larson has Kansas and Martinsville, but there's no doubt about it. Like that team is probably looking towards Phoenix, but this race in particular does mean a lot to Rick Hendrick. Oh, for sure. You brought up the narrative with, um, you know, it being the 17th anniversary of Ricky Hendricks um, passing. Yeah. Larson is in the five car. He's been running the the Ricky Hendrick paint scheme all season. It's been a magical year for him. But aside from that, if he wins at Kansas, he makes everybody put all of their chips in at Martinsville. And we know how nuts Martinsville gets, right? How many different bump and run or dump passes have we seen in the last few years at Martinsville? I mean, Denny Hamlin, for God's sakes, got booed at a Virginia track, and the man is from the state <clears throat> because he flat-out dumped Chase Elliott at the end of the race so that he could make the run of the championship and keep Elliott from doing that. Um you know, we've seen Logano and Kenseth years before that get into it. And Logano was, you know, three laps down at that time and just straight up dumped Kenseth. Um, but it's, you know, putting all your stock in one race to try to point your way in. That's a tough thing to count on, especially at a track like Martinsville, where like anything can happen. Car can break. Flat tire puts you like 10 laps down. Like. Oh, so there's there's some pretty decent motivation there for Larson, for sure. Not to mention he wants to get another win because he always wants to win. Um, but, yeah, I think he's plenty motivated. That value, though, listen, he's got to lead a chunk of laps. You've got to be pretty sure he's going to lead a chunk of laps in order to pay that price for him this week. Uh, what's the approach with JGR this weekend? You know, typically this is the package that they run well at. Um Oh, no. Why am I looking forward to Martinsville? I apologize. No. No. Sorry. I thought we were talking about Martinsville for a second because we just spent so much time on Martinsville. Uh, Kansas. Anyway, so Kyle Busch won this. One thing I did want to touch on is I feel like we touch on um, this 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 right side tire combination more with Kansas than most other tracks. And is this the same right side tire combination that Kyle Busch won on earlier this year? Uh, I can tell you in just a second. Let me go ahead and go to our friend Jayski, who has Goodyear tire notes, and I'll be able to tell you in just a second. Um, so they will run the same tire setup at Kansas this weekend, both Xfinity and Cup. This is the same combination of left and right side tires that the Cup teams ran on this track last October and again this May. Um, so they did use it here in May when he won and for last year's playoff race, uh, at Kansas. So, um, the left side tire has been run at, uh, the Charlotte Oval and Nashville, while the right side tire has also been used at Vegas, Michigan, and Texas in 2021. So it's basically the same tire combination as they had last week on the cars. It's also the same one they're familiar with, uh, from may so it's not a surprise this week for the teams um they'll be able to use their notes from may uh for what to do how to set up the cars here 
this week. So it was a pretty pretty good run for Kyle Busch back in May. Um, when yeah, he, he won. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he won. But I'm just saying it's not like it was like a last lap pass type thing. He was right. You had <clears throat> the feeling he was going to win um, that race for quite a while. Um, all right. So how do you feel about William Byron? He came off a really strong run at Texas. Can we really compare Texas and Kansas? So I, I know the knock on Texas is that it's mostly just like a single groove track that results in really boring racing. But Kansas, there are more grooves like it's it's easier to pass. Can we get as excited for Byron this week um, to potentially pull off an upset? He's looked really good. He's at speed. You know, he just hasn't pulled out a win since what uh, Miami earlier this year. Um, Dover? Did he win Dover? Or was that Dover? I can't really remember. I thought that was Bowman. All the Hendrick wins kind of grouped together there. (laughs) Um, Okay, so to deal with Kansas and Texas, you can in a sense because Texas's last time was kind of more of a multi-groove track than we've seen it before. Um, In terms of the, the tire wear, they're fairly similar. But in terms of banking and whatnot, Kansas... Um, is certainly not that close to Texas. Um, it's more comparable to Homestead. It's also pretty comparable to uh, Michigan in terms of banking. Um, and to a degree, Las Vegas, though, Vegas tends to be more of a single groove track again. Um, that being said, I think we can, in fact like Byron quite a bit this week. He's got four top tens in the last five races at Kansas. So he knows how to race this track. He's moved up a little bit each of those races. Um, He hasn't really led that much. um, But this has also been his best year in the Cup Series by far. So the the laps ladder, you know, have been a recent development for him. But the finishes here are very, very solid. And, yeah, I think we can take quite a bit from the momentum. I did like what he said leading into Texas, which was even though we're out of the playoffs, we're still here to compete. We're still here. He told us we couldn't win a race. So, um, Uh, What's your read on Bowman this week as uh, the PD, I guess, lock of the race? Only 9,800, P25, and he's in the Hendrick car. Yeah, he's going to be pretty popular. His average finish here over the last five races has been 8.4. So, yeah, he's going to be he's going to be pretty popular for sure starting back um P25. Cash game lock probably. Probably he's less than 10 grand on DK, so it's not like he's going to eat too much of your you just need him to move up to hit value which he can do here. Um just given the track style. So that I have no problem with chase Elliott to round out the Hendrick grouping. I honestly don't know what to do with this week. I really don't. Um, you would think he'd be motivated to go after, you know, go defend his, his championship. But right now uh, I think he's on the outside looking in, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's fifth. I think you're right. Um, so he's like eight or nine points out of it right now. Um, doesn't mean he needs a win yet. Does mean he needs a very good race and then some other guys around him to have some trouble. Um, 
But again, he hasn't really looked that locked in at mile and a half tracks this year. So he's starting fifth. He's going to remain in the GPP column for me this week. What about Ryan Blaney? Um, I, I hate touching on so many like higher price guys, but I, I think it's at least worth mentioning. Um, you know how aggressive the the playoff drivers could be, and and Blaney, I remember like you finished the season off strong. He's kind of coming in with five straight top tens, um, but he had 22 fastest laps last week at Texas, and he didn't lead a single lap. But still, the car was fast, and he's on the front row. I don't think he can lead outright from the beginning. I'm pretty sure that's going to be Larson's show. But Blaney's only 9,300, and that's a guy who secretly has had a lot of speed the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, Ed Rouse, I'm sure, is paying attention to this part of the podcast. No, I should have said nothing now. <laughs> um no, I think Blaney is a sneaky play this week. I don't know. If, I think people might look past him because he's starting next to Larson, and they're just going to go, oh, Larson's going to lead a boatload of laps. and Blaney. But at 9,300, you just need Blaney to have a solid finish. You don't need him to lead a ton of laps. Um, and by the way, somebody on Twitter, I forget who, but they rejiggered the points, like if we hadn't had the playoff. Uh point going on with like they rejigger them each round and whatever uh kyle larson and denny hamlin would be exactly tied coming into kansas which i still can't figure out but ryan blaney would be third in the points interesting even without the playoff shenanigans and even without stage wins and the win and you advance and whatever Mm -hmm. he would be third in if we were doing this like you know back in the early 2000s or the 90s when it was a you know, point system for the championship. So he's been good all year, and this package is the one that he likes the best. So I think he's perfectly fine in GPPs. Are there any other dominators that we may have missed? I mean, not that I can, not to pop, pop out like, immediately to me um yeah i just don't i mean logano could get out there and lead some laps but like do we really count on that at this point from logano i don't know no um by the way trucks is now oh for his last 34 on mile and a half tracks completely flipped for him he used to dominate the mile and a half so now he's oh for his last 34 i feel like he used to dominate on so many different kinds of tracks like short tracks and road courses no he's oh for 81 on shorts on short tracks until he won at richmond and then he swept richmond and then swept martinsville and then won it like uh martinsville again and whatever but now he can't win a mile and a half so who knows <laughs> I mean, the only other guy who leads chunks of laps here is Kevin Harvick, but I just don't, I just don't trust that car right now. I mean, he looked fast <clears throat> in Texas for sure, but again, he didn't lead laps. He had enough speed to get back into the top five, but then basically didn't do anything after that. So, I mean, but from where he started, that's all he really needed. But now he's starting 11th, so he could get you a handful of position 
points at 8,900, and I guess that's all you really need. But no, I don't. I don't really see any other major dominators. All right, let's jump into the mid range. Kurt Busch is 8,500. He starts P13. Uh, I feel like his finish last week. He started 17th. He finished 16th. I feel like the finish doesn't really do. The performance he had justice. I felt like he was regularly running in the top 10, even as high as the top five. The car was fast. The finish just really wasn't there for him. Do we like him this week at Kansas? I do still like him. He does have three top 10s in the last five races here. Um, I wish he was starting a little further back than he is, to be honest. But Like 16th or 17th? Yeah, somewhere, you know, later in the teens would be nice. Um, But I'll still take it. I'm not quite as high on him this week as I was last week. Um, Just for a combination of things. One, he's not been quite as strong at Kansas as he was at Texas. Um, Last week, I mean, yeah, they had the speed, but to not capitalize on that speed does hurt. And that's kind of what we need him to do. So... Yeah, I mean, he's certainly in play, but I'm not, like, you know, fawning over him like we were last week. What about Chastain? Kind of an elevated price tag at 82, starting P24, and we know he can get a top 12 out of this car. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it, right? Like, he just keeps piling in the sucker around and getting— I mean, we've seen him get top fives out of this car. Yeah. Now, that being said, and again, these are stilted stats because— the 42 car he's been in the 42 this year best equipment he's had consistently kansas has not been a great track for him but again this is better equipment than he's brought here in the past so um i'm perfectly fine playing chastain starting 24th i think there's going to be a lot of people that are fine playing chastain starting 24th um it's pretty hard to it's pretty hard to look past him at that starting spot. All right. Um, I don't, know, I don't really want to bore you or our listeners, so I'm just going to like get right to it. Matt Benedetto is 60. What is he? He's 6,800. He's starting P15. And a year ago in this race, he finished 12th. In the summer, he got a top five. He finished fourth. How do you feel about Matty D? I think the the starting spot might be a little too high for some people. But the price tag is so good. So yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, that basically and, sums it up. I mean, I mean in his last four races, he's got, last couple of years, he's got momentum. Oh, good old Mo. It's a little too late for good old Mo for him, though. I, I get that. But for DFS, like, you know, this is the first time in weeks he's been priced under 7K. He finished 13th last week, 6th at the Roval. Uh, 12th, uh, God, I forget where they were before that. Uh, 10th at Bristol. He's got... I think it was Talladega before Roval. Uh, South Point 400, is that right? Uh, Vegas. That's uh, Vegas, yeah. Um, I mean, like, it's there for him. Like, he, he's he's running well. I understand. And I don't know what to make of, like, what he's going to do next year because he probably has to go to Xfinity Truck. or a part-time schedule. But he's clearly showing that he he can wheel a car. And no one ever doubted that. Yeah, well, 
think they did. I think that's probably why he hasn't been <laughs> like he's a known commodity at this point, right? Like he's not gonna. There's no way that guy turns into to Martin Truex Jr., who just has a career renaissance, like late in his thirties, and all of a sudden starts we like ripping off twenty plus wins in his career. I I don't think De Benedetto does that. But that being no, said, but I think he, he finishes. He got screwed out of the twenty one car. Well, yeah, he also got screwed out of the the um, ninety five. The ninety five, and you know, before that too. Um, <laughs> I frankly wouldn't be shocked to see him be the other half of the part-time colleague car. That hasn't been announced yet, but I have a sneaking suspicion he might be the other part of the part-time. Because, obviously, Justin Haley's getting the full-time ride, and then um, Almondinger's getting the part-time ride. So I could see them pairing DiBenedetto and Almondinger as part-time guys. Um I don't know. Yeah, I think the starting spot might scare people off. Just also his name. People kind of feel one way about him. But that price tag on DK is certainly appealing. It's it's the cheapest he's been in so long. And I feel like people could just scroll right on by him because they just they see like, oh, that's a driver that isn't really offering PD. But, you know, in his last two races here, he's looked pretty solid. Um <clears throat> And I understand it's a very small sample size because overall he has an average finish of about 24th year. Um, I don't know, man. I, I like I like his results in this package on this track in his last two races. I like the momentum for him. I'm buying into the narrative. Who are some other cheap drivers that you're looking at this week? Ricky Stenhouse. Well, I was going to bring him up as a point of comparison because, like, you bring up the starting spot for Mandy D, right? De ben, uh, De Benedetto 6,800 starting 15th, but Stenhouse is seven grand starting 28th. So people might just take the shot on Stenhouse, hoping like the guy's got three top 20s in the last five races here. So there's a shot for him to move up, but there's also a shot for him to crash because it's Stenhouse. Um, so there's. There is that. Um, I don't know. I mean, the pickings get pretty slim below the Benedetto. But, you know, one of the folks in Discord was saying you could do a Max Min and go with a guy. <laughs> McLeod? Like. I'd rather go to Quinn Hoff. Right. Like McLeod, or I think he he pointed out. Um, can't remember. I'd rather now, just go to. Quinn Hoff and take the the eight to ten points that he gets me. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, I'm not advocating for that. Basically, anybody starting in the 30s, you're going to want to think twice about. Um, I mean, I normally have no problem going to Corey LaJoy, but he's starting P23, and that's a little too high. Yeah, that's a bit high for him. Truthfully, but, I don't like going. Ugh, this sucks, but because you almost have to go more balanced. And I'm, I deeply apologize for cutting you off, but I really don't want to go below Cole Custer at six K this week. Yeah, I mean Custer's been solid here, <clears throat> to be sure. There's not, you know, it's Cole Custer. It's not gonna wow you. You know what you're getting with Cole Custer. You're you're lucky if he gets a top fifteen. Yeah, exactly. Um, Priest is still a little too 
all over the place for me right now. Yeah. Um, to, to really count on him, even though he's put up some solid finishes at mile and a half. Yeah, the bottom of this budget is is pretty bad. It's pretty bad this week. Um, since we've kind of like gone over the field, we're getting we're we we're not getting to the point. We are at the point where the contests are pretty crappy. They're pretty yeah. They're, they're, they're awful. Um, yep. Xfinity is trash. I the last couple of weeks I've only been making three lineups for Xfinity because it just hasn't been worth it, and I'm not even playing cash in Xfinity because I don't trust those drivers enough for a cash build. Um, what is your strategy for bankroll? What are you playing this weekend for Kansas? Um, I'm almost more inclined to go heavier at Martinsville. I think personally Martinsville is a track that I've always done better at. Um, but it's also like there's only three races left, and I want to get as much NASCAR action as I possibly can. So how many lineups are you building this week, or are you playing more cash? I don't. I want to know what um, At a place like Kansas, I tend to play more cash than than GPPs because I just feel like the builds are better for cash. Um, like you've got to go with some serious dart throws in GPPs to really have success. Mm-hmm. At a place like Kansas, because everybody's going to be on the same PD place, so you've got to go with a guy like Stenhouse or like Priest or Hell, uh, Anthony Alfredo, um, who, if they keep it on the track, can bring you home in a decent day, right? Like Texas, the craziness of the start of Texas brought some people way up on the leaderboard with some pretty terrible choices of, like, so... One of the guys in – I actually did pretty well on DraftKings last week. I played about 50 bucks, won about 160 back. So about three extra turn, not not a bad day. <clears throat> One of the guys who won a $3,000 contest had David Starr in their lineup and was just purely re- rewarded for the craziness at the beginning of that race. <laughs> Because there's no reason that David Starr should have ever won anybody anything. Unless, like, not even at Daytona or Talladega, people. Like, David Starr is terrible. Um, So, for me, I'm kind of just... I'm to the point of the season where I'm just trying to get as much bankroll set up for the start of next year as I can, because to be perfectly honest, I don't play that much NFL DFS. I like prop betting on NFL more than NFL DFS. Um, and, um, you know, I, I don't typically play that much NBA or NHL. Um, I enjoy watching NHL. Doesn't mean I'm going to play it for DFS. So at this point, I'm just trying to manage my bankroll and, and keep it mostly intact for the start of next year, so I don't have to go, oh, hey, it's Daytona 500 week. Let's go deposit money. I don't really like doing that. So that that's kind of my strategy at this point. Nice. Good to know. Um, I'm kind of kind of in the same boat. I think for the next couple of weeks, um, for Xfinity, at least, I think I'm only going with three lineups, and I'm just doing cheap three-entry max contests. I think next week for Martinsville um, – Spoiler alert, I'll be covering the cut playbook next week for Martinsville. Yep. Um, so I think since I'll be putting in extra research for Martinsville, I might 
I'm for one last kind of hail mary. I will do the Chrome Horn and the Happy Hour, which is typically typically about a hundred bucks total, and it gets me the opportunity to build forty lineups. But I'm kind of with you at this point. I'm kind of going like most of my success this year, and especially the last couple months, has just been playing cash games and single entries, not just in NASCAR, but in, in other sports as well. Um, it, it just is unfortunate that we're getting to arguably the, the biggest part of the year for NASCAR, aside from Daytona. And, you know, the, the contests are just kind of depleted at this point. But, you know, when you get NHL and, or, and NFL and NBA coming back, it's it, it kind of means people shift away from NASCAR on the weekends, which sucks. I mean, yeah, plus I'm even <clears throat> bummed I can't watch the F1 race. This week, it's I can't say the same. I tune it on. I I turn it on and I watch it when I'm doing stuff for the site Sunday mornings and everything. And I'm just kind of finishing up my DFS lineups. But you know, I watch it. It it gets uh, credit for my rating. Uh, but I can't say that I'm like as into it as other people are. I've I've slowly become more into it now. That being said, there are some changes. I think they need to make some of those will take care of themselves in 2022 with a new car, but can't watch it this week because it's up against the cup race. It's at the same time as the cup race. Where are they racing for F1? uh, Coda. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Right. Oh yeah. That kind of sucks. Cause that track is actually meant for F1 racing. Yeah. It was purpose-built to be an F1. They basically took all of their favorite corners and parts of other F1 tracks and put them together to build Coda. That's how I hope they get better it. weather than the NASCAR weekend did. Oh, God, seriously. <laughs> now, that being said, F1 guys are used to driving in rain. They have what they call intermediate tires, which have treads on them, which still allow them to go like 200 miles an hour in corners and in the rain. But, yeah. Uh, I'm not the only one bummed, by the way, too. Alex Bowman tweeted about not being able to watch the F1 race before. So people were giving him crap. They were like, hey, you can just crash out after lap three and then go watch (laughs) it in your holler. (laughs) But, yeah. So I'll be be split attention span between the cup race and the F1 race at Coda. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this weekend. Best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.